you know, because most of the beers run for like ten bucks, but that one will run like six ninety nine a six pack. Oh, okay. Well, so for a craft beer, that's pretty cheap. For the working man. For the, it's a working man's beer. <laughs> Tonight, we'd like to tell you the story of another kind of man. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash! Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. 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 Hi, I'm John Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Nashville still. I'm, I'm like trapped here in a hotel in Nashville, so I'm bringing uh, guests in to talk while I'm here, making best use of my time. And now I got a friend of mine, an old friend, Mr. Todd Nolan. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks, Rob. How you doing? All right. I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Todd, I, I have this is what I wrote in my notes, Todd. Oh, no. Artist, <laughs> dad, a chicken owner. True, and duck owner. <laughs> oh, okay. I got ducks. And uh, brought me some wonderful beers from Mill Creek Brewing. Yes, uh, I work there part-time. Yeah, which is, and they're awesome. They're great. And I'm drinking the Mill Creek uh, Premium Light American Lager now. Yes. And Todd, in lieu of the what we're doing now, you are drinking... I'm drinking Yazoo Sioux, a beer named Sioux. A beer named Sioux. And that and it's a porter, too, which makes it even more Johnny Cash-oriented. Oh, yeah. I, well, you gave away the spoiler. What is the record that we are ta- that you brought to talk about? Well, I'm good at spoilers. It is Johnny Cash's American Recordings album, uh, produced by Rick Rubin in 1994. The there you go. It's his 81st album. Yeah, I saw that. That's insane. Crazy, right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> his 81st album and I, I remember when this came out and i you know of course everyone knows johnny cash of course and everyone knows about him but i was never a big i, I was never a non-fan of johnny cash you know he's great he's awesome but yeah. I, I never owned a johnny cash record or anything uh but i remember when this came out and it sort of gave him a resurgence right and he, he did some other records with uh, rick rubin after this right yeah he did six well he did six and a box set oh wow but okay. he was he was only alive for four of the six. Oh, he did so maybe not <laughs> they recorded did. a lot of freaking songs they did um but yeah i think it's great and i think it was uh, a brilliant of uh, rick rubin what he did with him uh because so basically what did he do with him he, he basically just stripped it down and yeah he, he kept it as simple as possible he he went like the whole thing started basically when he saw Johnny Cash performing at a Dylan uh, tribute show. It was his 30th anniversary of Bob Dylan. And he saw him up on stage and he's like, man, this guy is a friggin' icon. He's like, why isn't he appreciated the way he should be? Oh, right, right. So he approached Johnny and said basically, you know, like, I want to record you. I want to sign you. I want to make a record with you. You know, and Johnny was pretty hesitant at the time. You know, he saw this guy disheveled looking big beard didn't know who he was right and and, you know, and he had already made 80 records <laughs> he had made 80 records Before yes that. <laughs> you know and and one of the quotes that johnny had was he says that uh rick rubin wore clothes that would make a wino proud oh right right so we, yeah he's like yeah. who is this guy he, who is this guy <laughs> you know so he was hesitant but uh you know 
he started saying that he was going to give him complete and total control, let him play the songs that he wanted to play, let the songs come out through him and just keep it simple, you know? Right. Which it was also amazing for me to see that this was the first record he ever did where it's just him playing guitar and there's a whole band. Totally. Yeah. 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 And this was not in my wheelhouse at all. I mean, I, I grew up, my parents listened to country, but I didn't listen to country. You know, oh, you okay. Kind of- yeah, I was going to ask that. I mean, you move, all right, so for, I guess we didn't mention that. I've known, I knew Todd in Florida, in South Florida for many years, but him and his family moved here. How, so how long have you been in Nashville now? Almost eight years. Okay, okay. So did you, is this a record you uh, discovered once you were here, or did you discover this? Oh, no, no, no. Here? I discovered this when I was working for Uncle Sam's Records, like in uh, the early 90s. Oh, yeah. So when it that. came out... I'm like, well, let me listen to this. I make, I was listening to it mainly because of Rick Rubin. You right, know, I right, was, right. I was a Beastie Boys fan. You know, I appreciated the stuff he did with Slayer. You know, he worked with Sir Mix a lot. He worked with, you know, Danzig, Black Crows, all these other bands. Not necessarily that I'm into Black Crows or Danzig or anything like that. That's all right. But no shame. We're but all it was about his, no shame on this. But show. I'm like, well, let's see what this guy can fucking do with Johnny Cash. Right. You know, and it interested me. So, like, at the time, that was not the kind of music I was listening to. I wasn't listening to any country at all. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I was into metal, punk, industrial, whatever. I right. I was into everything. Well, also, we didn't... Well, actually, we should mention, Todd is a... I didn't say musician. I don't know. Do you consider yourself a, a musician? Be I, honest. I am definitely not a musician. Right. Okay, but you... but Which you, you point out to me many times. I don't believe I've done that. I'm not, I'm not about shaming people. Uh but yeah, so you were in uh, some awesome bands in Florida, and you were in a band called Trapped by Mormons. Yep, that was my first band. Yeah, we're gonna play a little bit of that, and uh, they were great. And you were the singer for Trapped by Mormons. So yeah, so you—that's uh, your wheel. We're gonna play some of that. You'll see that's uh, that's your wheelhouse. But you listen to all different kinds of stuff. Too, right? All different kinds of stuff. But country wasn't one of the things I was listening to. Right. And then this album came out, and I played it while working at the record store, and. It totally changed the way I could see music. I mean, it was simple. Oh, it did. It okay. was honest. Right. And I played the fuck out of it at the record store. Much it, to the dismay of all the gothic kids, all the ravers. Oh, all they'd these walk kids. in, they'd go, what and the, the fuck says, is What this? is playing here? <laughs> but it, it like, kind of gets under your skin, though, right? Oh, yeah, man. It's like, you know, the man in black. You know, he's an icon. It is, and he's one of these guys where he's singing these songs, and you could hear, like, all of his life's experiences. You and definitely all of feel his... like he's that guy. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Whether he is or not, it doesn't matter. He is though. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he totally is. Yeah. He's not. Um, all right. So um, they recorded most of this album in his cabin. In uh, well, they first started recording the album um, with Rick at uh, Rick's house out in L.A. on in, Sunset. Uh, oh, okay, okay, in Los Angeles. So right. yeah, they did like like he was coming out of a bad time. I mean, the '80s were a bad time for Johnny Cash. You know, he was with Columbia Records for like 26 years, um, and then they dumped him. They dumped right. him and Miles Davis the same year. Oh, okay. You know, so it was no one, So no one was probably uh, buying his records, right, at that point? No. I mean, in the 80s, was like it was a totally different time for country music. You know, it was, it was the time of Alabama. It was the time of right, Garth right, Brooks, right, George right. Strait. So they just, You know, yeah, it was he, these glossy pop stars. It yeah. Was, they it was like urban a, cowboy. Trot him out for the award shows and stuff, but no one was buying his records, and they weren't playing him on the radio or anything. No, no. I was reading this one thing. It was like, you know... Uh, Alabama would sell 2 million records versus Johnny Cash would sell 50,000. Wow, yeah, right. I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, uh, like I said, that was a brilliant of Rick Rubin, like sort of, uh, which I guess that's what he's good at. He's good, and that's what all producers are good at. They're sort of seeing something and saying, oh my God, this is great. I've yeah. got to present it. we got to figure out a way to present it so everyone's going to realize how great this is and how awesome this is. Yeah, so he just brought him into his house. That He started playing music for Rick. 
He started telling them stories between songs. Right. And uh, they did about 30 songs that first session. And, uh, you know, he had this prior engagement because he was working on a theme park, believe it or not. Was, oh, really? Yeah, a theme park. And in 1993, right before they met, he was working on a theme park. It failed. Of yeah. course. Johnny Cash. I mean, uh, Dollywood, yeah, everyone wants to go there. No one wants to go to Johnny Cash. Well, yeah, it was, and it was in Branson, Missouri, of all places. Oh, uh, okay. So he, like, had a contractual um, obligation with this place, who became the, the Wayne Newton Theater. So he had to leave after his first few takes, after his first 30 songs, and go back to Branson and play all these shows for, like, retirees, oh. you know, for, like, half-packed venues. Like, oh, it, was, right. it was a sad time. It was bad. A demoralizing. Must it was totally really demoralizing. Was. Yeah. But he was seeing this, this event that he was doing with Rick as exciting and, and, and new and something that could resurge his career. Right. And make him, you know, bring him about at his purest level. Yes, you know, and, it's just and, him and, and the guitar. Yeah, and it's and it's it's exactly that, and it is. It, it's so great, and like I said, it gets under your skin. So, all right, so let's start listening to this. So he opens it up with a song that he actually did uh, in the '60s, right? Yes, it was recorded originally in the early '60s. Um, it's uh, based on a true story. Um, oh, is it? Oh, god, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's based on this girl, uh, this African American girl. Her name is Delia Green. It took place in 1900. Um, she had a boyfriend named Moses Houston. Uh, he was not much older than her. They got into an argument. He shot her dead. It was in Savannah, Georgia. It became like this legend, and it became a bunch of songs. Like Dylan wrote a song about it as well, just called Delia. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, the the original version that he did was a lot different. Like I don't know if you heard. If, did you listen to the original? Version? I did. I went back and listened to it. Yeah, a little more produced. I mean, it's from the '60s. Right, it, it, it is. Had, it, it was. It seemed happier. This one's darker. This way one's really darker. darker. Way darker. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, let's listen to a little bit of it. Delia's gone. Delia, oh Delia, Delia all my life If I hadn't shot poor Delia, I'd have had her for my wife Delia's gone, one more round, Delia's gone I went up to Memphis and I met Delia there Found her in her parlor And I tied her to her chair Delia's gone One more round Delia's gone She was low down and trifling And she was cold and mean Kind of evil Make me want to grab my submachine Delia's gone one more round, Delia's gone. <laughs> nice happy song, right? Right. Well, so that I could see, that's totally in your wheelhouse. Not that oh, you're, yeah, I yeah. mean, just, just Come the, on, murder ballads? That's, murder right, ballad. up my, exactly, that's right yeah. up my alley. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, so he changed some, he added some uh, He words, changed some uh, of the words. Verses, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was, um, it actually, uh, the, in the original murder, it happened on Christmas Day as well, which is oh, even right. a little more darker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And did you watch the video, you know, with uh, Kate Moss's Delia? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so the, when this, when when uh, Rick was trying to get this album happening, he knew that he needed a song like Folsom Prison Blues for the album. He needed something where, you know, Johnny Cash shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Yes, right, right. He needed right. something to kind of pull the attention of everybody, and he knew a murder ballad could do it. Yep. And this was definitely the first kind of standout song that happened. Yeah. For yeah. him, at least. Yeah, he's, he's a smart guy. <laughs> He's a right? totally smart guy, and he saw the best in him. He did. He did. Um, 
All right, so now we get the uh, your basic uh, leaving on a train thing. I guess every record like this has to have some kind of train. Oh, yeah, he wrote uh, a lot of train songs. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, got yeah. full <laughs> albums dedicated just to trains. Really? <laughs> In fact, I even have a tattoo with a train on it right above Johnny Cash tattoo right here. Oh, you do? He he does, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll we'll t- we'll take some pictures of that and uh, share it eventually when the episode comes out. All right, so let's listen to "Let the Train Blow the Whistle." I don't want no aggravation When my train has left the station If you're there or not, I may not even know Have a round and remember things we did that weren't so tender Let the train blow the whistle when I go On my old guitar cell tickets So someone can finally pick it and tell the girls down at the Ritz I said hello Tell the gossipers and liars I will see them in the fire Let the train blow the whistle when I go So this is, I love the line, uh, uh, tell the gossipers, gossipers and liars I will see them in the fire. So Isn't this that is great? The, this is the cranky old Johnny Cash. Well, this is Johnny definitely Cash. one of his fuck you to everybody else yes, songs. Yes, yes, you know, yes, exactly. And it's also, it's also a song kind of like about him coming to, to terms with his, you know, possible demise, his, his possible death in the near future. Right, right, You know, right. he's got that other line, no regrets, all my debts will be paid when I get laid. You know, he's getting laid down in the ground soon enough. Yes, yes. You know, so, he know and he knows it. I mean, it's it's coming. How his, old was he when this came out? Like, how old a guy was he? 60s. I'm not even, sh- I'm not sure 100% on his age okay. then. He always seemed like some older, I mean. But he's always, on him. he's always had health issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. in the 80s, he got kicked in the gut by an ostrich that was on his property. Oh, really? And it gave him like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really messed him up, man. And he, it actually caused him to go back on painkillers. And he was just getting down off painkillers when he met Rick Rubin. Oh, so he was okay, okay. coming off drugs. You know, it was he got a kicked in the time. gut by an ostrich. All right, so Todd, this is it. Stop at ducks. You got the chickens and the ducks. No ostriches. No, no, okay. no. Definitely no ostriches. Okay. Although I do have wild turkeys that run around the yard as well, <laughs> but they're not mine. Um. <laughs> all right. So this next one, this is interesting because I had no idea this song, "The Beast in Me," was written by Nick Lowe, who yes. was his son-in-law. <laughs> Yes. He was married to Carlene Carter, his daughter. Right. For I think eleven years. I, I know. That's that's great. And and it's cool because it isn't hard to see why he's likes this song and is uh, attracted to this song. Well, when I when I saw him live, um, he actually mentioned that uh, some of his favorite people in the world are his daughter's um, ex husbands. Oh, right. You, know, right. you got Marty Stewart. You got you know um, you got Nick Lowe. You got all these guys, and it's just. He has these relationships, and just because his daughters break up with him doesn't mean oh, yeah. he can't continue to work with them. I would love to have Nick Lowe as a, as a son-in-law or ex-son-in-law. He'd probably be awesome. Yeah. And imagine sure. having Johnny Cash as your, as your father. Well, that actually might be kind of scary. Well, yeah, that'd be, actually, that would be really pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be scared. Um, all right, so let's listen to this song, Nick Lowe's song, The Beast in Me. beast in me is caged by frail and fragile bars restless by day and by night 
Ransom reaches at the stars God help the beast in me The beast in me Has had to learn to live with pain And how to shelter from the rain And in the twinkling of an eye Might have to be restrained great i was just picturing you in the record store and some kid coming in to buy like the new <laughs> ministry record or something and this is playing <laughs> but it's so dark and it's, it's so, so great. dark the words uh the beast of me has to learn to live uh, with pain and how to shelter from the rain and the twinkly uh, of an eye might have to be restrained i mean it it, it it's weird it almost sounds like like nick Lowe wrote this for him he you did know? he did actually write this for him oh yeah the whole he? story behind the song is that uh nick Lowe approached Johnny Cash kind of when he was having a slump in his career and said, listen, I want to write this song for you called The Beast in Me. And he's like, that sounds amazing. So he played it for him kind of before the song wasn't being done, recorded, or right. you know, it wasn't recorded, it wasn't fully written. And Johnny Cash liked the title. He liked the first couple lines. He's like, but I don't know, it needs work, dude. Yeah. So every time he ran into Nick after that, he would say, how's The Beast in Me coming? <laughs> so finally, when he went to record this album, Nick finally got it together, and it was perfect. Oh, okay, yeah, because there is a uh, he has a version on Nick's album, the which was recorded Impossible the same Bird. year. Oh, okay, okay, uh, less tragic, much less dark and kind of almost creepier though, isn't it? Like it's got kind of like that like weird like mild mannered Dexter thing going. Oh, okay, on yeah, Lowe, I know? guess so. Yeah, like, you don't really right. believe he's the beast, but <laughs> right, like, you believe right, Johnny right. Cash has the beast in him. Exactly, exactly. You know yeah, he yeah. has the beast. Right, 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 right. Um, oh, that's great. All right, that's cool. Look at you bringing the knowledge, bringing notes and stuff. Todd. I know. Oh, I come prepared, man. <laughs> you did. All right. This is, is, we mentioned the fuck it song before, fuck you song. This is another one of those, right? Yeah. Uh, his uh, fuck it. I like this. This is his, like, no matter what shit goes down, you just got to brush it off and, and keep going, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it definitely became his mantra. Like, when he was, like, having health issues and problems, you know, drive on was his mantra. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you that know, makes sense. He would like, when he would, when he was having pains, like his abdominal pains, whenever he was having his broken jaw, like all this shit, he's like, you know, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. Drive on. All right. Let's do it. Well, I got a friend named Whiskey Sam. He was my boonie rat buddy for a year and now. He said, I think my country got a little off track. Took him 25 years to welcome me back. But it's better than not coming back at all. Many a good man I saw fall. And even now, every time I dream, I hear the men and the monkeys in the jungle scream. Drive on. It don't mean nothing. My children love me, but they don't understand. And I got a woman who knows her man. Drive on. It don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. Drive on. There you go. So he wrote that song right after he uh, sent a letter to President George Bush 
he was protesting us entering the Iraqi war, the first Iraqi war. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it, ins- it's, it inspired him to write this song and draw comparisons to the Vietnam War, um, which he was down there during Vietnam, um, you know, entertaining the troops and stuff. Oh, right. He was, right, always right. Invo- he was always involved with soldiers. He was always very supportive of all the military. You know, he was in the Air Force himself. Oh, okay. Good know. for him. Yeah. What a colorful... All right, so you, uh, you told me you uh, got to see him a few times, right? I've seen him twice. Um, first time I saw him was on this album's tour in 1995, at the Gusman down in Miami. Oh, Mal, that must have been awesome. It was so amazing, dude. I mean, that, that's already an amazing venue. You know, yeah, my, my mom had gone there when she was there. a kid. Yep. I mean, that's how long that place has been around. Yep. You know, my mom used to talk about it, and she's like, yeah, we'd go see a movie there, and Cab Calloway would open up for the movie. I'm like, <laughs> I've got older parents, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow, that's awesome. And then you saw him again. Uh, and then I saw him a year later on the Unchained tour. Which is, uh, um, I saw him at the Broward Center of Performing Arts in Fort Lauderdale. And that was just as amazing. And, like, he would come out, he'd play his songs, um, then he would, the band would leave, and it would just be him and his guitar. So it was basically this album. Oh, nice. You know, he would just entertain you for like seven, eight songs of just him and the guitar. Then the band would come back, June would come on, they'd all sing songs together. John Carter, his son, would be there. Yeah, nice. It was such an event, and it was amazing, and it made me a huge, huge fan. So you went from not being a country fan at all to being to a fan of jumping this type in of this, like a yeah. fucking cannonball. You did. You don't like it. You don't like any of that new country though that's going on, do you? Um, I do like some new country. Like know? what? Like, hit me. Hit I'm me a. Some. Hit I'm, me a, me I'm some. a huge Margot Price fan. I don't know who that is. She's local to here, and actually, oh, okay. I saw her perform at the Five Spot when I first moved here, and uh, um, she ended up getting signed to Third Man Records. Oh, okay. Uh, with nice. Jack White. So. Yeah. She's she's got several albums. She's she's recorded with uh, uh, Willie Nelson. She's amazing. She's okay. awesome. Margot Price. That's good. That's um, long, I thought you were going to say like. Luke Bryan or someone like that. No, no, no. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not into any of that poppy shit. I'm into the, I'm into right, the dark, right. dark stuff like this. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. I was, I was getting worried a little. Um. All right. So now he does a Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. Uh, a lot of Chris's in that word. <laughs> yes, there is. Um. So he sings. He sings a lot about redemption. Oh yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, and it's so, it's it's interesting to me because obviously he's a religious man. I mean, he he believes this, but I feel like when he sings about redemption, it's almost like he's not buying it all like he's thinking well like maybe he doesn't uh, deserve redemption or he's just sort of uh, qualifying it with uh, you know how he's lived his life the the life he's lived you know maybe he'll get redemption i don't know maybe he won't well he always walks that line like he says you know it's always there's the dark you know evil johnny cash well not evil but you know just dark and uh you know and then there's the light one there's the you know he's a preacher as well right 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 you know at, in his heart he is a preacher he's a god man you know he's a god-fearing yeah. man i know and it is it, it's so and, it's so and i'm and i'm not a religious guy but when i when he sings a religious song i'm interested in it yeah it, it's, it's, it's a story true. same same yeah it's true i can listen Definitely. to full gospel albums by him and it's... <laughs> all right well this is one let's listen to why me lord Why me, Lord, what have I ever done To deserve even one of the blessings I've known? Why me, Lord, what did I ever do That was worth love from you 
and the kindness you've shown. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hands. So I was kind of surprised that this is a Chris... Chris Christopherson song yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know he was necessarily a religious guy. He or, wasn't. He wasn't. But oh, there's okay. there's actually a story behind this one as well. Is there isn't already a story behind every single Johnny Cash song? Right. Right. All right. Let's hear it. So uh, yeah, Chris Christopherson um, went to a church service with some friends of his, and uh, Larry Gatlin was on stage, and he did a song called "Help Me, Lord," which kind of inspired this song. And he's singing the song. The preacher comes out, um, asks, you know, is anybody feeling lost? And at this point in Chris Christopherson's life, you know, he was kind of coming down. He was kind of feeling depressed. He was having a bad time. You know, they're getting out of the 60s, coming into the 70s, you know, and he was kind of trying to shake loose his hedonistic ways of the 60s. Right. And uh, without even, like, knowing what he was doing, he raised his hand. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's walking down the aisle. He's at the front of the altar, and the preacher's asking him, you know, do you accept Jesus? And he's like, he starts weeping. He starts crying. Oh, wow. And he's like, he didn't understand why he was doing it he's like i'm not a religious right, guy right, right. but at that moment on that day he's like it affected me right and larry gatlin a weird thing about that uh the the help me lord song he actually performed that song at both june and johnny's funerals ah. and it's always the first song that he performs whenever he performs live too oh wow um yeah it, it's inter- like me i'm same i'm not a religious person at all but certain things like i don't know are you a violent femmes fan at all because yeah, I like they, uh, yeah gordon gano would would sing these songs and he was a believer and you could tell when someone's like really um has a, a conviction and you can sure. tell that it's it's interesting like you said it's interesting to listen to and it's almost like you sort of you sort of vicariously get into the whole uh, vibe of it all, you know, without maybe not having the, the faith, the true faith, it's still interesting to, to listen to someone who does have that faith or is uh, struggling with the faith. And with any of his songs, I mean, you, you sense the honesty in it. Yes. You know, yeah, I mean, right, he be- right. whether you believe it or not, it doesn't really matter. He believes in it and it's part of his life. Exactly. And it exactly. shakes you to the core, whether you believe in God or don't, which, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right, so now this this I was totally blown away by because I had no idea about this, that Glenn Danzig wrote a song. This is the one song that was written specifically for him for oh, this, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, completely written for him. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Rick Rubin approached him. I mean, he, he had already signed him onto Deaf American Recordings. Right. You know, and he approached him and said, well, I want you to write a song for Johnny Cash. And he wrote this song and apparently wrote it in like 20 then minutes. Supposedly do it, which yeah. is great, which I totally believe. And I don't know. People I mean, it's love a simple the, song. People it's... love the shit on Glenn Danzig, though. But say what you want about him. I mean, he is a weird guy. He writes some great songs. The man can I write have, a song. I have no argument with that, with this song. Yeah. I mean, it's a great song. It is. And it's a great song for Johnny Cash. And I listened to well, a, he... a, a, his version. Danzig recorded a version of it, too. And it's different. It, it, it's also kind of has like a little creepy vibe to it. That's exactly what Danzig said, too. He says he, when he went when he to record it himself, he's like, I, I wanted to do it like Johnny Cash, trouble. but I wanted to make it creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. All right. Let's listen to 13. Bad luck wind been blowing at my back 
I was born to bring trouble to wherever I'm at Got the number 13 tattooed on my neck When the ink starts to itch then the black will turn to red I was born in the soul of misery Never had me a name They just gave me the number when I was young Todd Choi right there. Well, during the song, Todd Choi me <laughs> another tattoo with the little... little uh, 13 devil. in the middle of a bomb uh, yep. next to a devil. Next to a devil. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I love this song. It's And it's like perfect. It's like just in uh, Glenn Danzig's wheelhouse, but also Johnny Cash. Uh, I've got a long line of heartache. I carry it well. The list of lives I've broken reach from here to hell. I mean... <laughs> Those are great lines. Yeah, my favorite story about this this song was uh, when he wrote the song, he flew to Tennessee to to play the song for Johnny and teach him how to play it. Right. And uh, after they, they he learned it, uh, Johnny gave him an autographed picture of himself. Well, he flew back home and gave the picture to his dad, and his dad was blown away. And apparently for Danzig, this was his biggest sign of validation to his father. Oh, his, his, was, his father was probably the only thing his father was ever proud like, of him you've for. made it in the music industry. <laughs> right? You met and recorded a song for Johnny Cash. That's, kind of, that's awesome. That's yeah, great. So uh, that was a big deal for their family. Good for Glenn. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So this, this next one is kind of like a two-part thing. So it's got the, it starts with the, and I'll play a little bit of both. It starts with the Oh, Bury Me Not, which is a, a cowboy's prayer. It's, it's a cowboy ballad. Yeah. It's like... It's from the 1800, um, 1800s. It was originally a sailor's ballad. Right, right. I, I saw called, that. <laughs> called Sailor's Grave. <laughs> right, right. And then in the 20s, it was changed to um, Oh, Bury Me Not. Right, 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 right. All right, so let's listen to a little bit of the first part, which is basically like a poem, almost like yeah, him totally. reciting a poem. But it's, but it's cool. Yeah. Lord, I've never lived where churches grow. I love creation better as it stood. That day you finished it so long ago and looked upon your work and called it good. I know that others find you in the light that sifted down through tinted window panes. And yet I seem to feel you near tonight in this dim, quiet starlight on the plains. I thank you, Lord, that I'm placed so well, that you've made my freedom so complete, that I'm no slave to whistle, clock, or bell, nor weak-eyed prisoner of Waller Street. <laughs> so he's just reading that thing and he's and you can tell he's he's like he's like he's into it you know oh yeah totally <laughs> right he's into uh, everything he's into yeah right exactly exactly but then he goes but then the second part of it he goes into this which everyone's heard this too this is the uh yeah, oh the... bury me not thing oh bury me not on the lone prairie these words came low and mournfully from the pallid lips of a youth who lay 
on his dying bed at the close of day. Oh, bury me not, and his voice failed there. And this one here is a good. I, I I wanted to mention, you know, some some guys, some performers, when they get older, they re- they they really can't sing anymore. They can't sing the same way or anything. Yeah. But he's still. When you listen to him, he had like a really great. I mean, not like a not like a fantastic, unbelievable voice, but he had such a distinct, a, a distinct. Uh, like his voice had so much. Uh, a depth to it. Sure. A commanding voice, and he still has that here. Like he doesn't well, sound like a old guy like a feeble old guy here you well, know you, well even like when you listen to like the other american recordings albums like when you hear hurt you know for example the, the nine inch nails cover yeah you know it's like you could tell that he's he's getting close to death that his voice is starting to shake right but it's still johnny cash it's still johnny cash he still has that giant it isn't like this shit you go oh you know it's like you know. it's like john prine like you listen to early john prine versus later john prine you know it's like he has such a different voice but it's still him right 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 uh, yeah, like there's just so there's just so much depth to it, and it's just pretty. It's very pretty and soothing to listen to it, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure they made so, so much fun of you walking into the record store. Yeah, <laughs> listening to this. Well, um, I st- you know, I still have the poster from that I used to hung that I had hung up at Uncle Sam's. Still own the poster. Still have my concert T-shirt. From, oh, nice from that '95 uh, Gusman show as well. Oh, okay. I wanted to mention the album cover actually because the album cover for this is awesome. Oh, it's, it's so great. Uh, Australia, right? Yeah, it was taken in Australia. Um, the photographer's name, I forget his name. Um, but he took a bunch of pictures of Johnny Cash. Out, he drove him on a truck out into the middle of Australia because uh, he was on tour with Chris Christopherson at the time. Right. Um, took him out in the middle of nowhere to a train station. They took a bunch of pictures. It wasn't feeling right. The wind was blowing the wrong way. <laughs> right. He's like, why don't you go stand by those wheat fields for a second? The wind stopped. These two stray dogs. Oh, they were stray dogs. Well, they were actually owned by the train uh, station master's guy. You know, oh, okay, they were his okay. dogs. Kind of walked over into the picture. He took the picture, and it was perfect. Oh, wow. You know, he's got that guitar case in front of him. You know, he looks like a preacher. He's got the long black coat yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, yeah, it's, it's ominous. It's, it's a great. Album and they cover. used a lot of those photographs for for the future American Recordings albums as well. Oh, okay, from that from that session. Yeah, because it was it's great. They're they're great. Um, all right, so I'm kind of I'm I'm wondering I'm thinking that Rick Rubin chose a Leonard Cohen song, but maybe not. I don't know. Was Johnny? Do you think he was a fan of Leonard Cohen? I mean, I could see him being a fan of his songs and everything. But oh, totally. I mean, he's an amazing songwriter. I he mean, is. He is. But I'm just wondering if, like Rick Rubin said, hey, did you think about doing a Leonard Cohen song? Because that would really be in your wheelhouse too. <laughs> and it, it is for sure. It totally is. This is a perfect song for him. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of uh, Leonard Cohen's "Bird on a Wire." Like a bird on a wire Like a drunk in a midnight choir I have tried in my way to be free Like a fish on a hook like a knight in some old-fashioned book I have saved all my ribbons for thee and 
And if I If I have been unkind I just hope you We'll let it go by And if I If I have been untrue There's so much in his voice There's so much Right? Don't you just feel it in your body? And the uh, pathos And uh, yeah, yeah, you do You feel You it. feel the grumble of it It, it is just... I don't know It's probably not a good thing If you were already like uh, depressed And you were drinking I don't know if this would be The good record to listen to or not Well, you know It's like the Irish I'm like, you know You just You, you listen to depressed things You wallowing, get drunk You, you just wallow and, and it makes you happy oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so Yeah, that's true you know, I get, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if I got happy listening to this. I mean, those lines like, like a bird on a wire, like a drunk in a midnight choir, I've tried in my way to be free. Yeah. So Chris Christopherson apparently told Cohen that um, when he passes, he wants those words on his grave. Oh, yeah. I I, I saw that. I, I read that. Actually, and that's I, awesome. And apparently Cohen said, he's like, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be very upset with you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, He's not going to know. So, um, All right. So now I saw we... Chris Christopherson, too. Oh, did you? I did. I saw him play a small venue here. And uh, apparently he's not playing. He's retired now. He's not playing any more shows. Oh, okay. He's had his own health issues and stuff. Right. And uh, it was friggin' amazing. Was it? It was so good. I mean, he's been dealing with his own health issues because he was diagnosed with dementia. They thought it was Alzheimer's. Oh. It turned out he just had Lyme disease and it was causing all these issues. Oh. Yeah. Wow, so you so moving here is pretty. You've you've gotten to see some great shows being here, right? Oh, totally, it man. Is, uh, Loretta, music City. I've seen Loretta really Lynn. Music City, right? I met Brenda Lee. I mean, like all these these great people. It's just it's an iconic place to be. Okay, so good, good for you. I'm glad. <laughs> I've been to Johnny Cash's grave too. Oh, really? Many times. Oh, okay, nice. All right. Um, maybe if I have time, you uh, we can go there before I leave. Uh, all right, so now, so they recorded some songs they recorded live at the Viper Room, right? Yep, Johnny Depp's place. Yeah, that's right. I don't think he owns it anymore. No. Um, so this, and it's kind of cool because I had no idea. I'm listening, and then I hear some guys going, woo! And I'm like, what the, what's that? Well, and, do you know uh, who was at the show that day? No. Well, it was apparently like he was supposed to, like Rick Rubin told Johnny Cash, he's like, listen, I want to add some more tracks onto this song, onto this album. Um, I'm going to book a show. At the end of the week at the Viper Room, he's like, we'll play a show there, we'll record it all, and we'll see if anything works for the album. And he recorded two songs were used on the album, and um, he put out private invitations to like p- people in the mu- movie industry, oh, people in the okay, music industry. Okay. So there's like Red Hot Chili Peppers there, there's, you know, um, Sean Penn is there, oh, okay. Tom Petty's there, all these people are there. Right, celebs, he, A-listers. It was totally cool. A-listers. Oh, that's great. All right, so this is a song written by folk songwriter Jimmy uh, Driftwood. Jimmy Durford, yeah. And it's the tale of Tennessee Stud. Back about 18 and 25, I left Tennessee very much alive. I never would have made it through the Arkansas mud if I hadn't been riding on a Tennessee stud. Had some trouble with my sweetheart's paw. One of her brothers was a bad outlaw. I wrote a letter to my uncle Fudd, and I rode away on a Tennessee stud. 
The Tennessee stud was long and lean, the color of the sun and his eyes were green. He had the nerve and he had the blood, there never was a horse like the Tennessee stud. Was a host like the Tennessee stuff. Don't you just wish you were there though? That's so amazing. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. It's such a cool thing, and there's all these weird tie-ins with that Viper Room place too. Oh yeah. Like River Phoenix died uh, like a month before the show happened. He oh really? The place. Oh. Okay. And then ironically, his brother Joaquin played Johnny Cash in Walk the Line movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Tom Petty was the first band to perform at the Viper Room, and then he became the backup band for uh, the other American Recordings album. So it was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as his backup band. Oh, okay. Well, look at that. All these uh, Look at that. Dropping facts. Dropping facts. Dropping connections. All right. So now he does a Tom Waits song, which is great, too. Perfect. Amazing. Of Another dark songwriter. Yes, yes. And he made... So this is like... I, the Tom Waits version is a, a piano ballad. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's already somber, like, but, but this... He takes it even more... He makes it even more mournful uh, than uh, than his version, I think, right? And we got a train song again, right? Right. So we got... Uh, no, can never have enough train songs. You can't. Or t- a tattoo. Can you have enough train tattoos? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is the... That's what <laughs> Carrie says, right? <laughs> you have enough. All right. This is Down There by the Train. There's a place I know Where the train goes slow Where the sinner can be washed In the blood of the Lamb There's a river by the trestle Down by sinners grove Down where the willow And the dogwood grow You can hear the whistle You can hear the bell From the halls of heaven To the gates of hell And there's room for the forsaken If you're there on time You'll be washed of all your sins And all of your crimes so good and now do you know anything about the recording of this like the recording process because i'm wondering like because his his takes on these are so great but i'm wondering like how many like i picture rick rubin going no johnny that sucked do it again not at all man he would just he would basically (laughs) just say let's hear a different song let's hear another song a lot of these were like one takes yeah i had a feeling i mean that's what it sounds like but i was wondering you You know know? some of them recorded here like you know some of them recorded out you know in california and it was just you know just him and the guitar just going at it man you know, in this song, um, apparently Tom Waits, um, he was approached by a friend of his, and uh, he said that, you know, Johnny Cash is recording an album and wants some cover songs. And he had originally given the song to the blues artist Jim Hammond, who didn't record it. Tom Waits at the time hadn't recorded it yet. Oh, okay, okay. And um, he's like, well, I think Johnny Cash will like this song. It's got everything he likes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got John Wilkes Booth in it. It's got death. It's got trains. It's yeah, got yeah. You know, cross. It's got everything in it. Right. It's up as, you know, like we said, it's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, it is. And he did, and obviously it was in his wheelhouse, and it's awesome. Um, all right, so now we get a, a Cash song, a Johnny Cash song. Yep, third original for the album. Yep, and this is this is more sin and more re- redemption. Well, the last one was redemption, too. Yeah, yeah, right. It, w- it was redemption. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. He sings so much about redemption. It's like... Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I, I don't know. Who knows? I wonder. We, we can't ask him anymore, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he was redeemed. <laughs> I think he was. I, I, I would think so. Um, if not, then uh, God's a 
prick kind of a prick i mean at that <laughs> point i would say um all right so <laughs> maybe maybe i'll edit that out uh let's let's listen to johnny cash's redemption from the hands it came down from the side it came down from the feet it came down and ran to the ground between heaven and hell a teardrop fell in the deep crimson dew the tree of life grew and the blood gave life to the branches of the tree and the blood was the price that set the captives free and the numbers that came through the fire and the flood clung to the tree and were redeemed by the blood I love when he I love when he throws in those uh, biblical references you know yeah he's got the whole crucifixion going on there yeah 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 he's got the tree of life from the garden of eden right right and and he he, kind of floats back back and forth between the two right and yeah and and he like well like you said he's a preacher or he he was a preacher well he's not really i mean not officially a preacher not officially a preacher i am a preacher oh yeah that's right you i'm a reverend yeah okay Come on, man. <laughs> no. Okay. You need to get married? I'll marry you. <laughs> I, uh, you have, you, have you married some people? I have. My last one was uh, Jeff Hodap and Paige Harvey. Oh, nice. Shout outs to them. And they're still, now how many people have you married? Um, I'd say probably about six or seven couples. And how many of them are still together? Not many. Okay. <laughs> but Paige and Jeff are, and they're going to stay now. together. I know. Well, now they're doing there's only so They're much doing you, awesome. There's only so much you could do, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, totally. You just marry them. You can't teach them to get along with each other. <laughs> Once I set those birds free, they're on their own. That's right. Um, yeah, the lines, uh, my old friend uh, Lucifer came, fought to keep me in chains, but I saw through the tricks of 666. That's so great. <laughs> that, isn't that a great uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just so great. Like I said, you don't have to be a religious person to appreciate that. Exactly. And also, it's it doesn't sound corny from him because it just no, it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you don't really, I mean, you don't really feel like you're being preached at either. I mean, you're, he's a preacher, but yeah, you don't feel right, like you're right. trying to have somebody convert you into something. Yeah, yeah. No, no yeah, not it's at not, all. It's not a Billy Graham moment. It's his own, no. He's he's singing about his own struggles yes. and his own, what he's going through. And like Roseanne just, Cash, I mean, his daughter, is she's not a religious person, but she appreciates all the religious stuff that he does. Right, right, you know, right. She right. understands it. That's his, that's his journey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. So now we have another cash song and this is, this is, I like this because it's uh, kind of different than a lot of the record. Cause it's hopeful. Yeah. Uh, kind of a hopeful song, right? Yeah. It was done for a soundtrack actually. For, oh, was it? Yeah. It was for a Billy. Actually, I just mentioned Billy Graham, a Billy Graham movie, like a religious movie. Oh really? And they <laughs> added it on the soundtrack as an extra track and all the music is religious all throughout. But then at the end he throws this song in there, which it kind of draws allusions to being in a religious song. Well, when you read the lyrics, it could be about a woman or it, it could is. be it's about, a, June. about Jesus. It's about June. It's about June, right. It's but, about him struggling. It's about him going through life and having a hard time. And at the end of the road, right. there's June. Exactly. There's but, the love of his but life. someone else could read it and go, there's Jesus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right, and that's right, why yeah. it's on this soundtrack. That's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, still, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a cool song and I like it. It's called Like a Soldier. With the twilight colors falling and the evening lay in shadows, 
Hidden memories come stealing from my mind And I feel my own heart beating out The simple joy of living And I wonder how I ever was that kind But the wild road I was rambling Was always out there calling And you said a hundred times I should have died Then you reached down and touched me And lifted me up with you So I believe it was a road I was meant to ride I'm like a soldier getting over the war I'm like a young man getting over his crazy days Like a bandit getting over his lawless ways I don't have to do that anymore I'm like a soldier getting over the war That's, a, that's really a great song. I could actually see one of these like modern country people doing a doing that song, doing a, a cover of it yeah. and it being popular, right? Oh, for sure, definitely. Yeah, I could see that. All right, so get on that. Luke <laughs> Luke Bryan or Bryan or whoever. Um, that's the only country guy I know to that's, throw that, out that's his your name. One, that's your one bomb he can drop. I don't know. Luke Bryan. There you go. Um, he's the guy. He's the guy on uh, American Idol guy, Is right? He? I don't know. I think so. He's See, I don't annoying. like the poppy stuff. Yeah, he's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he has a lot of fans. Though. Sure. sure I doubt they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Hashtag search Johnny Cash. I don't know. There you go. Um, so what was I going to ask you? The, the Luke, damn it, Luke Bryan, you like, you like made me, uh, you made me forget my question to you. Oh, have you uh, like, so were you able, you, you got into, you got on this Johnny Cash jag. Were you able to uh, convert other people in your circle to it as well? Like, did you bring people to this or was it um, a hard sell? Probably exclusively just Carrie, my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> she had no choice. <laughs> she had no choice. She's along for the ride no matter what. Yes, yes. Okay, but but she does appreciate but it. But like I said, you know, it. I would play it at Uncle Sam's. I would, you know, blast it in the stereo and like make everybody listen to it whether they liked it or not. I didn't give a fuck. No. It really didn't matter. Well, you know, just like Johnny Cash, I don't I didn't give a fuck, you, you know. You just fuck. put it out there, you know, you get up on stage, you perform your songs and at the end of the day if people like it, they like it. If they don't, fuck it. There em. you go. There you go, kids. Good advice. Um, one thing also about the record, like you would think a record of 13 songs of just a guy and his guitar could get like samey or that, but not uh, Rick Rubin did a great job of sequencing the songs and the record and the way it flows. And it feels it's so real, intimate. It, it does. It feels great. And it doesn't feel like just too much of one thing or anything. No. It's, I mean, it, between it, the cover it, songs, the original. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, the, he did the a rehashes, really good job. The rechanges of his old songs. It's just. Yeah, it's a it's a real nice mix of all different kinds of things. It is, and then the ending. So the ending's great. He he does. This a, is my favorite song. Loudon, yeah, Loudon Wainwright. Uh, Loudon the Wainwright third the third song that he wrote in 1973. But it's almost like a, a comedy routine. It, recorded in Nashville. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. Okay, wow. So you brought you brought a Nashville uh, yeah. with all these Nashville ties. Good job, good job, Todd. Um, it, the song's almost almost like a stand up routine. Like oh, he's yeah. doing, and this is was it's recorded. a modern a boy named Sue. I mean, right. it, like it's his, you know. 
it's you know it, it's him being funny. Yeah, and it was perfect because he did. But also this. dark at the same time. Too. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, yeah, yeah. There's some dark stuff in here, but it's just it's so great. And he's dead. Of course, his dead Johnny Cash can only be deadpan straight man. Yeah. So the the deadpan delivery of it sells it even more. And, and the people. And it's the live the song room. too. It's the second. Yeah, song the Viper, the Viper they're room. Eating, Yeah, they're eating it up. They're eating it up. It's, it's so great. And yeah, this makes you wish like uh, I would have loved to have been there, right? To to uh, to experience that. But this is. Uh, Loudon Wainwright III's The Man Who Couldn't Cry. There once was a man and he couldn't cry. Yeah. He hadn't cried for years and for years. Napalm babies Movie love stories, for instance, could not produce tears. As a child, he had cried, as all children will. Then at some point, his tear ducts all ran dry. Grew to be a man, it all hit the fan. Things got bad, but he couldn't cry. His dog got ran over. His wife up and left him. After that, he got sacked from his job. Lost his arm in a war. Was laughed at by a whore. All but still not a sniffle or sob. And, and through the whole thing, he's just delivering these zingers, and oh, like yeah. they're eating it up. He's it's total so... straight man, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's great. It's 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 brilliant. It was a brilliant uh, song for him to do. Did you ever hear the original by Loudon Wainwright? I did not. No, but I'll I'll play some of that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And, and like the, it's from an album of his called Attempted Mustache, which is fucking great. Like the the cover of the album has Loudon. Um, standing next to these these polar bear statues, which have been around Nashville for like 90 years, they were made for like a custard shop. Right. So we have him in the 70s standing behind these these bears, and uh, there's a close-up picture on the same cover of the album of him and his crappy ass mustache. Uh, <laughs> so it's called attempted mustache. That's nice. So it's just as funny. I mean, but uh, his yeah his uh, deadpan delivery sells it sells and makes it 100. And it's a really yeah it's a great album closer. And uh, this was a great record. And uh, who knew Todd that you would come and bring such a great record and bring the uh, goods. I, See what I do? You people may not know Todd used to be very annoying. In, in his younger days, he used to be very annoying. <laughs> I could still be pretty annoying. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, let's ask Carrie. I want to get Carrie on, but she, she will she not. She refuses. That's okay. Uh, but no, it's all right. It was great having you on. And uh, so what uh, is any, do you have anything you want to plug? You want to pr- promote? Um, not really. I mean, you can go to my website, toddnolan.net. You can look at some of my artwork if you want. Yeah. That's, that's always a, a thing to check out. You should. Todd's an amazing artist. But and uh, Mill Creek, what about Mill Creek? Let's give them, a, let's throw Mill, them a bone. Mill Creek is a great brewery. They're in Nolansville, Tennessee. Believe it or not, Todd Nolan, Nolansville. Oh, yeah, that's right. No relation. No relation. Um, yep, they make some great product. Uh, only available in Tennessee, though. But if you're up here, be definitely sure to drink a few. Yeah, and then give a Todd a call, and then he'll you could, you could hang out with him. There you go. It's a fun hang. Why Maybe not? you could take him to Johnny Cash's grave. Well, yeah. The first time I came to Nashville um, before we moved here, um, it was right after Johnny Cash died, 
And we went to the grave, and I actually took a little clump of dirt from the grave, which I still have. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, grave robber. Right. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Um, once again, everyone, don't forget, uh, you can go to our uh, social media, Instagram and Facebook. It's at That Record Got Me High. Also, that Facebook group got me high. You're on that, right? You're a member of that Facebook group. I am group a member of that. High. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Twitter, we got at TRGMH Podcast. Uh, you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. And Todd, what's the most important thing they should do? Um, they should become a patron. Thank you. Uh, you got <laughs> it. Yes. And how do they do that? They go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And, uh, and support a, you. And support me and become a patron of the show. It, it would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. But uh, seriously, I appreciate all you guys. I appreciate all the... Um all the notes you sent me that you're that you're still listening, even though Barry's not on the show anymore. I do miss Barry. It's twice the work I have to do now every week. <laughs> but uh, I'm really glad that you guys are still enjoying it and still listening, and I'm still doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it. So thanks again. Thanks again, Todd. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye.